Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope Family Church. Glad you're here with us today. I want to take the first opportunity. You probably heard it already. Happy Father's Day to your fathers. I hope you have a blessed day with your families today and you enjoy that fellowship that God has given us. So happy Father's Day to your fathers. Um, why don't we open up in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the cross. Lord, we could just say thank you forever to you. And so, Father, we, we ask that you would be here powerfully today, that you would teach us, that you would help us grow up and become mature uh, believers and disciples of Jesus Christ, that we would be the, the men of God, the fathers that you've ordained us to be since the beginning of time. And so, Father, we thank you for your presence now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, <coughs> since it's Father's Day, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about fathers and fatherhood. And so the concept of father can be expressed in different words, words like dad, mentor, friend, sponsor, or discipler. There's a lot of overlap in these words that describe fatherhood. So keep that in mind as I go through this message, that these words sometimes can be synonymous to fatherhood. Now, I'm going to go through this kind of like on the surface. This is a huge topic, and I'm going to go over this like on the surface and... Uh, I'm going to invite anybody who, if you want to follow up and follow through and go deeper with this, um, I'm available to you to do that. So um, our earthly father relationship is one of the most powerful relationships of all. It has a uh, direct impact on the well-being of our children that can last a lifetime. It shapes our identity, our self-worth, our self-esteem, our confidence, direction in life, habits, lifestyle. Uh, work ethic, morality, and more. Have you ever heard the expression like father like son? That's a true statement. There is a lot there that's true. Uh, has anyone ever said to you, you look like your father, or you sound like your father, or your father did that? I've heard that in my life. Um, now our earthly father is the, rela our relationship with our earthly father is the first impression we have of our heavenly father. Now, the first seven years of a child's life are the most important because they set the foundation for overall success or failure. And I recently heard that they may happen as little as four years. Now, once this foundation is shaped, it's almost impossible to change it without the power of God. It's like pouring cement. When you pour wet cement, it's easily shaped and molded. But once it sets, it's very hard to change after that. So I want to share with you I have a slide here somewhere. Let's see if this works. Let me share with you. Actually, I want to share with you the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 to 17. It says, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. And for this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So I want to share with you now five major areas that are shaped in those first four to seven years. Character. Character is the way that a person thinks, feels, 
way a person thinks, feels, and behaves. It's how well we are socially adjusted. Cognitive ability is its general mental capability involving reasoning, problem solving, planning, abstract thinking, complex idea comprehension, and learning from experience. Educational achievement is the acquisition of knowledge, skills, competencies, persistence, and retention. Psychological well-being, those are psychological skills or mental skills which are tools for the mind. And this includes skills like positive self-talk, enhancing confidence, goal setting, and achieving the most productive mindset among many other skills. And then social behavior or skills, these social skills are the skills we use to communicate, to interact with each other, both verbally and non-verbally, through wor words, gestures, body language, and our personal appearance. Now, the absence of godly fatherhood can leave us with wounds, voids, brokenness, or just immature in these areas. And it can separate us from love, intimacy, relationship, and the fullness of life God has for us. Now, interestingly enough, as I was doing this, preparing this, I'm looking back at my life, and I can see a lot of what's happened to me in my life and why I, be honest with you, I, I was one of these people who went wayward. And I'll explain that a little bit later on as, as we go through this. So now, there, are, there is indirect influences and direct influences. So indirect influences, um, can, a child will learn by watching others do things, whether it be right or wrong, a child learns by watching the way you treat others, how you do your work, home life, finances, and relationships. As they observe you, they are being shaped in these five areas. Now, fathers influence their children in a large part through the quality of the relationship with their mother. A father who has a good relationship with their mother is more likely to be involved and spend time with their children and to have children who are psychologically and emotionally healthier. Now, oftentimes, God gives us a one-liner in the Bible. Here's the one-liner. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. So God doesn't always unpack it for us. There isn't that deep, long explanation or deep, long teaching. We get a one-liner, and it's so easy just to read it and really not grasp the whole meaning of it or actually implement it in our lives. Now, the direct influences, I'm going to give you just throw out some examples. Uh, an absent father is a direct influence. Present father, abusive father, gentle father, passive father, a father who's involved, an angry father or a kind father, a performance-based father or a relationship-based father. Now, our goal should be to be like our Heavenly Father, a relationship-based, unconditional love, self-emptying, never-ending love for your child's best interest. So now a fatherless home can leave us with a wake of catastrophic destruction. One out of three children grows up with, without their biological father in the home. Fatherlessness creates emotional, psychological, spiritual, and financial issues resulting in negative consequences. The statistics speak for themselves. They're 20 times more likely to have behavioral disorder, two times more likely to drop out of school, five times more likely to commit suicide, 30 times more likely to run away, 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Now, this may surprise you. Maybe you've had some of these uh, issues yourself, perhaps. 
And others may say, well, I had a great dad and I had a great childhood. And maybe you did. And thank God for that if you did. But you cannot deny that there is a fatherhood crisis going on. No one in all of humanity has had a perfect earthly father. And since the eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Adam and the woman began having problems. The woman blamed the serpent, Adam blamed the woman, and the first dysfunctional family began. So the bad news is um, that everyone has had earthly fathers that fall short. We all sh fall short of the glory of God. Another one-liner, what does that mean? We all fall short of God's If we all fall short of God's glory, how could we possibly be fathers and mothers who are perfect to our children? Shortcomings, character defects, personality flaws, attitudes, self-centeredness, prejudices, and so on it goes. We all got it. And now, so let's take a look at what happens when we have a father in the home. So here are some stats on fathers that are in the home and involved. I want to add and involved. That's a critical factor. 40% less likely to repeat grade, a grade in school. 70% less likely to drop out of school. More likely to get A's in school. More likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activities. So you can see clearly that from the stats that there's a huge difference between a father in the home and involved as compared to not. Now remember, just being home does not necessarily mean that you're an involved godly father. If you've fallen away, if anybody here has fallen away and you fall short of these things, I want you to know that total forgiveness is available through Jesus Christ and there is help to improve. I'm gonna tell you honestly, I was a horrible father in the beginning years. But God got a hold of me, and he turned that thing right around. Amazing change in my life, I need to tell you. So the good news is the gospel that Jesus Christ came to bring us into an intimate, abiding relationship with the perfect Father, God himself. We were orphans, but Jesus came to adopt us and to restore us to the Father relationship. And once we tap into his love, we then become able to love others and fulfill our role as fathers. So what are some of the roles that we have as fathers? Well, we're called to be the head of the home. That's not the tyrant, that's not the dictator, that's the head of the home. We're supposed to be leading the home in truth, in love, in godliness. So he's the one who's given the final authority. He's the one where the buck stops, and he's the one where the problems are laid. Also, we're called to protect our family and to provide for our family. We're called to love them, to be an example to them, to teach them, and to discipline them. And I want to clarify, discipline isn't beating and punishing and forcing your will. Discipline is correcting and bringing someone back to the narrow road that, that God has set for us. Okay, so I want to get into this diagram this is one of the things that God showed me when I was straightening me out, was what I needed to do was I needed to, this box example, I needed to take my child and put my child in the box. And so there's my, my granddaughter, Briella. I put her in the box today for you. So now what my job as the father is to do the work on the four corners of that box. Now the first corner is love. I'm supposed to be loving that child with the love of God. And before I go through the rest of this, I want to segue just a little bit 
and talk about the five leveling languages. If you've never heard of that, I want to encourage you, get the book, study it out, and let this become a part of your life. Uh, Dr. Gary Chapman did a fantastic work, and he discovered that we have five love languages as people. We give and receive love through one of these five love languages. The five love languages are uh, words of affirmation. That means you're encouraging, you're, you're, you're uh, speaking uh, uplifting words to somebody, you're praising them for something that they did well. Words of encouragement, some people, when they, they need to hear that so that, that fe they feel love. There's also acts of service, that's doing things for people. It might be stopping to pick up something or uh, doing some chore that they need to get done, something you're doing to help them in life. And then there's receiving gifts. It doesn't have to be expensive. It can be just something that touches their heart. Some people, when they receive a gift, they feel like they're really loved. And then quality time, just spending time together, one-to-one, -to -one. not watching TV, but actually sitting down and having a conversation, taking a walk, doing something together. And then the final one is physical touch. It could be a pat on the back. It could be a hug. And so... Um, these five love languages, there's a whole book on it, so I want to encourage you to get the book if you haven't studied it out. It's, it's something that's critical. If we're going to love like God, we need to learn how to love. And I haven't been taught that in my life. I've tried to pick it up here and there, and so I've intentionally sought these answers out with the, by the leading of God, of course. And we have a lot of these answers. There's help available. So you want to determine what your love language is. Like, for example... You, you might have a number one that's the, the most important one to you, that you really feel it, and then number five, you might not get it at all. And so if your love language, say your love language is, uh, is giving of gifts, right? That's your number one love, love language. And my love language, that's number five for me. It's like I'm not interested in gifts. You think you're sharing love when you give me gifts, and I'm like, I'm not connecting with you here. So it's important to begin to learn how to do these things. Okay, so back to my granddaughter, Briella. The next thing, after we learn how to love and we do that well, is we want to be an example. We want to be men, fathers, and I'm not excluding the women either. This is really, a lot of this is for the women and the mothers as well. But we want to be men and women who represent God, who do the right thing. We need to be sure that the tongue in our mouth matches the tongue in our shoes, that we're doing what we say we're doing. We're not hypocrites that we're examples of doing the right thing and the godliness that we claim to aspire to. And then the next one is teaching. I heard some people say to me, well, I just live out my Christian life. I don't really share the gospel or tell people anything. So, well, um, that's not how this works. Yes, we're supposed to be the example. Of course we are. But we're also supposed to be teaching. We're supposed to be preaching. We're supposed to be sharing the good news. I think sometimes... You know, I'm sure there's people in your life that you see maybe often and you, you maybe live the life out in front of them, but you never share the gospel with them. I'm thinking, what if I die one day and they're dead and I'm in the kingdom of heaven and they're in the kingdom of hell and they say to me, why didn't you tell me I needed Jesus? You were such a good friend to me. You lived a good life, but I didn't know I needed Jesus. I don't want to hear that. I would rather somebody say, you told me, and I rejected it. That is on you at that point. So the next one is teaching. We're supposed to be teaching our children. 
and was supposed to be sharing the gospel, teaching these principles that God has given us, and was supposed to be imparting that to them. And the next one is discipline. And again, discipline is not beating and punishing. Discipline is lovingly correcting somebody and bringing them back to the narrow path God has for us because we know any other path leads to death. Okay, so there are a couple types of fatherhood that I want you to be aware of. There's earthly fatherhood, and then there's spiritual fatherhood. So now, uh, God has ordained us to have and be earthly fathers to represent him to our children and to grow up into mature, healthy, godly adults. That God's charged us with that. We're supposed to teach them how to live in the world, how to be prepared to step up to be fathers themselves. Now, spiritual fatherhood is very similar, but it has the same goal as earthly fatherhood, but it goes beyond the worldly realm, and it includes the spiritual. So it's based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's centered in the personal relationship with Jesus and his teachings and his mission. So in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Teaching, training, these words overlap as well. Teaching is not just giving you information. Teaching is a little bit more like an apprenticeship. Like, for example, many of you know I do plumbing. I have a plumbing business for a living. And if you said, uh, you know, I'd like to learn how to be a plumber, I can tell you how to be a plumber. And I can draw you a picture and I can say, go ahead and do it. But you're not going to be able to do it. I need to take you out and actually train you by showing you step by step how I do it in the real and then say, okay, now you try it. And be right there to help, to correct, to encourage, right, to do those four things and to help them grow up and become a plumber. Now, this is the same concept with raising our children. It's the same concept with discipling. The same principles apply here. Uh, these two, the earthly father and the spiritual father, are not exclusive. They're, they're, they're mutually exclusive. They're, they go together. And both of them have the same purpose to raise up healthy, mature, godly adults. And I would suggest that these two should be as one, spiritual and worldly combined. Now, I, I say that father, fatherhood is synonymous with discipling. We're discipling our children, essentially. And we are to father or disciple our children in the ways of God, and we are to father or disciple others in the way of God. And it's not just for the children, it's for anyone. Spiritual fatherhood. It's any Christian man or dis who is discipling, mentoring a younger Christian in the faith. That's all it is. You're just helping someone get this. You're helping someone grow in this. You're helping them to be trained. You're showing them how to be a disciple. Oh, that one. Okay, so Jesus has commanded his followers to make disciples, which involves creating spiritual relationships that in some ways resembles father-son and mother-daughter relationships. In Paul's letter to Titus, he discusses how older women should teach younger Christian women in the faith. And now as Timothy's father, Paul taught doctrine and modeled Christian living 
to his young friend by taking him along on mission trips. After a while, Timothy took on a leadership role of his own, and he in turn discipled other believers in a spiritual father-type relationship. Paul chose Timothy as a young teenager. He took him under his wing to become his spiritual father. He took him on the road to train him how to be a disciple. Timothy grew up, became a mature disciple who discipled other people. And it's believed that Timothy's name appears as co-author on 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. He grew up. He became a mature disciple. So a spiritual father is someone who cares about you, wants you to do the best for you. They know that the most important thing in life is to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So they invest in you to develop this relationship. As a result, you both grow spiritually and become more mature in your faith. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'm going to tell you the best experience I've had with God and the best growth I've had is when I'm out ministering to somebody else, helping them. It's amazing. If you haven't done that, I want to just encourage you to do that. It's an amazing thing that you, you want to experience. So, um, so let's talk about some examples of fathers in the faith. We got Peter calls Mark his son. Paul calls Timothy his true child in, in the faith. Paul calls Onesimus his child. Paul said he became his father in prison. 1 John chapter 2, John writes this, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. He's addressing believers in different stages of their growth. The little children are the new believers who just came to faith. And he's encouraging them to remember they are forgiven in the name of Jesus. He's talking to the fathers, the ones that are more mature in their faith. He says, you've known him from the beginning. So, and then on the third one, he's talking about the young men who overcame the wicked one. They went through their struggle with sin and they overcame, which is what Jesus requires for us to be doing. So John is talking about three, three levels of spiritual growth. And if you can see here, this is just a few examples, that this is, this is one of the primary motives of these people was to reach somebody new, take them under their wing, and help them become mature in Christ. So regarding your biological family, we look at it as fatherhood. But in the kingdom perspective, we have been given a much greater responsibility than just our core family. Jesus is the great shepherd. We have been called and chosen by him. If you're in this room, Jesus has tapped you. Otherwise, you wouldn't come here. So what are the responsibilities of a disciple? Well, I think there are four primary ones. I think first we're called to be witnesses. Jesus told us we were going to be his witnesses, starting in Jerusalem. What is a witness? A witness, if you think about court for a second, a witness is somebody who saw an event and they bring them into court and they swear them in and they want them to testify on what they saw, tell the truth. So we are witnesses of Jesus Christ. Now, I would say probably none of us are first-hand witnesses, 
But spiritually speaking, we are all witnesses of what Jesus has done in our lives and how we're different now. There's a change that's happened to us. So we're supposed to be witnessing, and witnessing in part is sharing our testimony, what my life was like before, how I came to Christ, how I've been changing, where I, my hope is in the future. And so nobody can rebut your personal testimony. It's what happened. So we're supposed to be witnesses. We're supposed to be ambassadors. Now, ambassadors, you think about, I remember when I did some traveling, I went to some foreign countries, and I really felt out of place. I didn't really feel comfortable where I was. The food's different, the clothes different, the language is different, everything's different. I just knew I was not home where I'm comfortable. But an ambassador, if you think about it, for example, we have ambassadors in many countries in the world, and they have land and an embassy in that country, and that land is United States ground. It's U.S. soil. That's the safe place that they can call home from where they represent the United States to that foreign country. But they're not home. They're there representing us. Now, for us as Christians, I look at it this way. My home is not here. My home is the kingdom of heaven. I'm here on temporary assignment as an ambassador to the kingdom of heaven to represent God wherever I go. And so now where I stand is holy ground. It's sovereign ground. Because I am the ambassador, you are the ambassador. The Christ that we know lives inside of us. We are his holy temple. So wherever I go, I'm in a foreign country, and wherever I go, I'm the ambassador for the kingdom of heaven, and I'm to represent the kingdom of God. That's my job. And then the next one is ministers of reconciliation. So as you can see from what we talked about, we got some issues going on in this world. We have problems. We have a fallen world that's getting worse by the day. And um, it's what it is. I, I, I accept that. I understand what the whole storyline is here now. But our job also is to be ministers of reconciliation. We live temporarily in a fallen world that's falling apart, but we represent the kingdom of God that is perfect and holy in every way. So our job is to be the ambassadors who represent God, and we're ministering to the people this ministry of reconciliation, reconciling them back to God through Jesus Christ. That's our ministry. Everyone's got a ministry. And then the, third, the fourth one is disciple makers. I, I think God's called us to be disciple makers. Um, spiritual fathers, uh, biological fathers, he's called us to step up into that place. And I, again, I want to connect mothers, too, because you're not excluded from this. You're, you have a part in it as well. Mm -hmm. So if we take a look at Matthew 28, 18 to 20, uh, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I want to point out some things here, because again, God gives us you know, a paragraph or a line, and unless we really dig into it, we just kind of read the next one and keep going. If we look at this for a second, Jesus says all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. 
So if you follow the storyline, God gave Adam the authority over the earth. Adam lost the authority by eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Jesus came back at the cross and took that authority back legally and righteously by paying the sin debt. So now he has all authority, but he turns around and he takes that authority and gives it back to us. Why? Go. That's the reason that we should go and make disciples. That's the reason he gave us that. There are other reasons, of course, overcoming sin, sanctification, so there's many other things. But I think these are the final marching orders Jesus gave us to carry on while we're still here. And so we're supposed to be making disciples. Now, that's not just telling somebody about Jesus. It's actually meaning training. It's meaning mentoring. It's meaning doing an apprenticeship, so to speak, like we spoke about the Paul and Timothy, for example. We're supposed to be baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is not the pastor's job. The pastor's job, one of his functions is to teach us how to do this, right? So um, teaching is, again, it's not just sharing information. It's actually training somebody, spending time with them, and showing them how to do it. And then he says at the end, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's what I get out of this. A lot of times God says, if then. If you do this, then that will happen. If you don't do that, that's not going to happen. Or if you do that wrong thing, then that bad thing's going to happen. So here's what I hear Jesus saying. He's got all authority. And if you go, and now that's on us. He's passed the baton over. If you go to make disciples and you teach them and you baptize them, Jesus says, I will be with you in spirit. I will be in you. I will be around you. I will be ordaining these things. And we took, if we turn over to Mark 16, we're talking about signs and wonders and miracles. And this is the place where I feel the love of God more than anything else, is when I'm out there working with others and I'm seeing them getting it, seeing their life transformed. When I walk away, when I walk away doing something for somebody in that perspective, I feel enriched in my soul. And I think that's going to be true for anybody because it's really just what Jesus says for us to do. So, let me see what else I got. Um, let me share my testimony with you. Uh, I grew up in Worcester, uh, had a mother and father, have a mother, they're still alive, they're 93. In fact, I'm, after church, I'm going to go up there and visit. And um, it's amazing. Amen. Thank you. So I grew up in a, a, a nice home, clean. My mother was incredible. I mean, the house was perfectly clean, laundry right up to snuff. I was just thinking, like, I, when I was growing up, I would see people with, like, holes in their socks, and I was wondering, what's, what's up with that? Why do they have holes? In, I never have holes in my socks. I didn't realize my mother was changing my socks. So my mother did everything. She did the laundry, she did the cooking, wonderful meals, cleaning, house was spotless. Didn't, it didn't matter what it was, my mother was right on the ball with everything. Everything I needed, my brother needed, we had. We had school supplies, we had medical attention, we had toys, we, we had what most people would consider a nice life. Not rich, but it was comfortable. And my dad was a plumber and he went to work and he came home and we had dinner and then he usually went and watched TV. So 
um, I would say from, from the outside, looking good. Looking good, like a good, good parents, right? But from on the inside, I didn't connect. And I'm thinking maybe now that I'm doing this study, it may be because of this love language issue, right? I'm thinking I'm wanting quality time, and they're thinking they're doing acts of service and giving gifts, and it's like, I'm not interested in that. So this is not a matter of blame, it's just a matter of testimony. I'm sharing with people so that, that we can all learn, right? So I'm looking back at my life, and you know, my dad was always there, even with finances. He sent me to college. He helped me become a plumber. He actually set me up when I moved to the Cape, and, and I packed up a truck with a lot of his stuff in it to come down to start my business. Came down, started my business. He actually supported me as I went along with the business. We, we got a store, and we made a, a, a bathroom shop out of it. He came down and supported me with that. And, you know, all this while these things are happening, I'm not really appreciating it. It's sad to say that, but that's the truth. And I was still going wayward. I was still going into the world. I was still chasing the things of the world. I was out there drinking and not living a godly life. And then um, I went through a divorce, and I was, God struck me with that one. He knocked me down, and he got me to sit down, and I really went into a depression. I really couldn't do much at that point in my life. And we were building a house, and I couldn't finish it. And my father came down at 65 years old and took over the project and finished the house. And we sold the house, which was the plan at that time. And then a few years later, I bought a house for myself. He came down, helped me remodel the house. And now God got a hold of me through that process and started changing me, and I saw this Something says about honor your mother and father. It's the first command with a promise. I didn't feel like going to visit. I didn't visit for a long time, despite all the goodness he did for me. But I said, God, I'm going to obey you. And I went to visit on the holidays, like today I'm going to go and visit. And over the years, God's changed my heart. He's taken away that block, that resentment, that disconnect, that feeling of not being loved. And so now, five years ago, my mother got dementia, and now I'm watching my father, who decided to step up and be the caretaker. And I just, like, I am amazed. He gets her out of bed, he gets her dressed, takes her to the bathroom, brings her to the kitchen, makes her meal, serves her, cleans up, takes her to the den, does the laundry, goes out and does the shopping. He's, he asks her all day long, are you hungry, are you tired, are you cold, are you hot? Do you have to go to the bathroom all day long? He's there like 24 hours a day for her. I, and I'm watching this, and I'm seeing the love of God. It's incredible. So, long time, God's changed my heart about this thing. And now I can look at the five love languages and say, I can override that, and I can love despite what my love language is, or theirs are. But I can also see what theirs are and try to do something in their love languages that they might feel love from me. And I remember just, I forget, a few months back, I was leaving after a visit, and I was like, 
I recognized that I was, I had become who I am because my father was always there for me. Now, if you didn't have that kind of father, it's okay, because you do. Your heavenly father can take that place and godly men can be the surrogates for you while you're here on earth. God can use other men in your life to help you. And I think that's the mission is, I wanna be that godly man now to help other people that are lost. I've had blessed, Friday I met this young man. He's uh, stuck on drugs. He's just recently clean. Nice kid. He, need, he was gonna go to a meeting at night. I said, I'll, I'll take you to the meeting. I went and picked him up, took him to the meeting, had a nice chat in the truck, went to the meeting, and then going back, I said, hey, you want to get an ice cream? Went and got an ice cream, sat down and talked. I got to share the whole gospel with him. He put his hand out and shook my hand and said, thank you for, thank you for telling me that. Thank you, for, thank you for spending time with me. Right? I wouldn't want to be any other place than touching people like that. So God is allowing me to do what he says, to be part of transforming someone's life and being able to see that transformation happen. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So um, there's a scripture that reminds me of my father, I guess. It's in Romans 2, 4, it says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of my father was a continued tapping, breaking down the wall that eventually brought me to repentance. And you don't know when it's going to happen. It might be never for some people. It might be immediately. It might be someplace on that journey. But our job is to keep doing good to people so that they can see the love of God through our lives. So there is a, there is a, uh, this called the Father's Love Letter. I don't know if anybody's seen it. It's so beautiful, yeah. That, when I first saw that, I just sat there and was crying my eyes out. I've watched it like 50 times and I'm still like mesmerized by that. And the reason is because that is the representation of God's love toward us that we all have available right now. So I'd like to play that for you if you, if you don't mind. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. I know everything about you. 
I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you. You are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. 
My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad. Almighty God. I hope that touched your heart. It still touches mine when I watch that. And you know, all that I spoke about, about my earthly father, he's not saved. He doesn't believe in God. It, it such, seems so contrary to the way he's treated me. And I've tried sharing the gospel with him over the years, and he's, I remember one time he said, I never heard that before. They never taught that in church. Not that he really went, but, you know. And he's kind of been open to talk about it for a few minutes, but then he kind of like turns and walks away from it. And I know a couple things that as good as we may get, we can't make someone get it. Only the Father can open their eyes and open their heart and open their ears to draw them. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. So I would ask if you would pray for my dad, that God would open his eyes and ears and heart and draw him to himself, if you would. And um, so all that I went over today, again, was kind of like on the surface. This is deep, long topic, and this is part of what discipling is about. So I'm offering myself to anybody, one-on-one uh, -on -one or small group, if anybody wants to carry on with this topic or any discipling topic. Happy to spend time with you, happy to share. I tell people this, I don't know everything, but I'll tell you everything I know. <laughs> and I'll be learning from you too. So again, I want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day, a blessed Father's Day, and I pray that you have a wonderful day in the Lord and with your families and a safe day today. Father, pray for my friends here, and I thank you for your message. Thank you for your heart. It's like incredible, God. Thank you for who you are. And Lord, as we go today, would you, would you bless us with this new, not just knowledge, but a transforming power that changes us to actually step up and to walk the walk that you've instructed us to walk in. Lord, bless us as we obey you. And Lord, lavish your love upon us that we might lavish it to other people, that they might see you and know you and become saved and become mature disciples as well. In Jesus' name. Amen.